What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rose, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always by my good friend Derek Terry. Derek, Kentucky's 2-0 in this new season, as John Calipari calls it, and starting to build a little momentum. Yeah, 2-0 in the SEC. Uh, Kentucky and Alabama now early, obviously, already in the SEC slate, but those are the only two remaining unbeaten teams. So, uh, it hasn't been an easy path to those two wins, I would say. A double overtime game and then uh, a game-winning shot by Davion Mintz in the final minute. But uh, early in the season, we were seeing this team lose close games. And now they've shown the past two outings that uh, no matter how how they have to get it done, they can find ways to win. And uh, I'd say just probably another confidence builder last night. Yeah, they just needed to win. That's what we were talking about for weeks is they needed to win. It didn't matter how it looked, just get wins. And, and Derek, when you look at the SEC, Tennessee already has a loss. Missouri's lost two now. Kentucky 2-0. I mean, I think that's – we would have thought Kentucky would jump out to a hot start in SEC play at the beginning of the season. But after their start through non-conference play, 2-0 is kind of a surprise, honestly. Well, I mean – uh, think about this, Sean. I don't know how many people saw this, but Mississippi State went on the road, I think. I think they were on the road last night when they beat Missouri. They certainly won the game, but I think it was away. Yeah. And I had said that I thought Mississippi State w- w- wasn't going to be one of the better teams, but, I mean, I think they're 2-1 and one now, right? In the beat league. them by so, 15, too. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, maybe that win won't be anything to kind of scoff at. But, you know, Vanderbilt, I think, was the only other team, when you look at those net rankings that came out earlier uh Earlier this week, I believe, when those first rankings came out, Vanderbilt was one spot below Kentucky. So it was a game that UK certainly needed to win. Um, doesn't matter, I think, for this team how pretty it is right now. But, Sean, I thought we got some um, some more talking points, certainly. Um, I, I want to start, though, with some positive news. Olivier Saar, back-to-back good games for him. Uh, he finished last night with 24.7 rebounds. Got to the free throw line 17 times. Hit 14 of them, so most of his work was done at the charity stripe. But he had a really good game, and then uh, I'm sure we will spend uh, quite a bit of time talking about him. But if you're going off stats, Dante Allen played the second most minutes last night and scored 14. He was second on the team. So good performances from those guys. There were some other players. Mintz, of course, at the big shot. Uh, ask you, not a great shooting night for him, but at the same time, I think you can tell he's getting better. Uh, he's getting better and better every time out. He, he's making that good progression, and – um, Lanceware got the start. He didn't play a ton, it doesn't look like, but he started. So he got rewarded for for some of his efforts. But, yeah, I think those guys I just mentioned were really the ones who, who carried the Cats last night. Yeah, it was a collective 
effort, you know, from a lot of pieces. I thought Jacob Toppin was really, really key down the stretch. Just yeah, yeah, energy point, and effort. Yeah. Uh, that's a guy that I've been high on. I told you I completely changed my opinion on him a few weeks ago, and he just keeps getting better, Derek. He always – it seems like he has a knack to just be in the right spot at the right time. Uh, made a huge play at Mississippi State in overtime, and I think it was off an offensive rebound down there. And then he made a spin move last well, night off a missed free throw, got it, put it in. Uh made the play in transition, dove on the floor to keep a possession alive. Just those little things. I think we're kind of getting to the point that at Florida Saturday, I would start, this is the lineup that I would start. Will Cal do this? Probably not. I would start Askew, Mintz, Dante, Toppin, and Sar. Those are the five guys that I would start because I feel like that those five have, are kind of, have kind of earned it. Uh, Jackson's still doing some good things, but it, it's it's right now it's about staying on the floor for him. But those five, Derek, I feel like are playing very well right now and kind of need to be rewarded for it. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Um, we'll see what Cal does. He obviously did reward Ware. Uh, he was really happy with what Ware, 12 rebounds at Mississippi State. He got in there last night. Didn't he only played 15 minutes? I mean, that was kind of the thing about that four spot last night. You had Ware play 15, and you had Jackson play 15, and then like you were saying, Toppin. I mean, he gets in there, plays 24 minutes, uh, had a block, had a steal, six rebounds, six points. You know, he he does something once a game that's really really important for the team. And then he also has moments that like kind of make me laugh. Like I think he took like that off balance shot from the corner that was an air ball, like. It's kind of exciting watching him play. Uh, Confidence is not an issue. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, something's going to happen when Toppin's in there, but plays super hard. Uh, You could tell the loose ball, I can't remember how much time was left, uh, where he got a steal, ended up busting his mouth, I think. He was over on the bench uh, getting a towel to his mouth. So I know Cal loves that, just that effort that he has. And um, Are you a little surprised? Because I think two or three games into the season, we would have thought Isaiah Jackson was one of this team's best players, and now he's 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 kind of kind of been quiet these last few games. What, what do you think of that? Yeah, you're. I think you're just seeing a guy who who lacks a ton of skill set offensively. You know, that's not an area where he's thriving. Clearly, he's still just a tenacious rebounder, Derek. I mean, he he grabs some big time rebounds. There was one he went up for and just like snatched it above the rim. Uh, last night there in the second half, and then just his ability to block shots. He's still making an impact on this team, and I think by the end of the year, when you get in March, he'll be a more consistent player. But he's going through some of those struggles right now, and it's kind of why we've talked about him being an interesting decision when this thing is over with. Uh, Potential, if you're going off potential, you really like Isaiah Jackson and what his future holds as a professional basketball player because I think he's going to be a very good piece. But... Is it good enough to leave Kentucky after one year? I think that's going to be the interesting decision that he has to make, Derek, because I honestly think out of all the guys, he's going to have the toughest call to make. He will, because I think in NBA teams, are, he, you can definitely dream on his athleticism. You can dream on his defensive potential. And you would just think that, I mean, he would not be the first player to go to the NBA draft who had a raw offensive skill set. So I, I could see, I could see him – I assume you're interpreting that Boston and Clark don't have decisions to make that they're going to leave regardless. That yeah, that is. I, th- I think that those two are gone regardless, unless something changes. But 
I just think it's hard to change that mindset when you come in with that billing and you think you're gone. It kind of gets to the point that I just don't know how you change it and decide, hey, I'll come back for a sophomore season. I mean, the slump B.J. Boston's in right now, I'm telling you, it's something else. But I, like I told you last night, I see people saying he has to keep shooting to get out of a slump. At what point, Derek, did we just assume that this isn't a slump and that he just, just isn't an efficient shooter? I'm probably there already. I mean, all three of his buckets last night, were they at the rim? He didn't hit a jumper, did he? Uh, no, he didn't. I don't I think so. I believe they were all at the rim. He had a, he had a, he had the steal and the layup. He had the Euro step. And, and then he had he another had finish. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he had another finish. He drove from the left side across the lane and finished on the right side of the rim there in the first half. Uh, his game, Derek – it all boils down to me right now that fundamentals are missing from his game offensively. When you watch Devin Askew right now, I think that Askew is having success because he's found a foundation of fundamentals. You saw it last night. When he dribbled into the middle of the lane, he came to a jump stop and went up off two feet and shot a floater. Now, there was a there was a lob at the rim that's going to be there that Kentucky 95% of the time hits the lob but Askew decided to shoot it, but he hit it because of his fundamentals. B.J. Boston is going in and just throwing things up off of one foot, off the wrong foot, and there's no fundamental base to his game offensively right now. And then you saw it last night, the the shot where the fans decided to boo him. It was the shot that B.J. Boston would typically hit in high school, where he would just dribble around, do some shake-and-bake stuff, and then just pull it. That's not working at this level, Derek. He, I just feel like that he's the type of guy right now that you want to get going, but he's not making the game easy on himself. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Um, I, I thought something had happened last night. For I didn't realize they were. I guess I'll say this: I'd hope that the booze were for another reason, but it was pretty clear that it was because of. BJ shot selection, and it was a topic. I mean, that's that's Calipari went out of his way when he was talking last night to to plead for fans to support BJ uh, for these struggles, and said to be mad at him if you're gonna be mad at anybody. But at the same time, I guess you can't. <laughs> maybe those fans who are booing, maybe they were directing their boost towards Cal. I mean, there's really no way to know. <laughs> uh, you just have to assume they were booing the. The kid, which was some bad press. I mean, I saw Tom Hart tweeting about it today. People tweeting about. It. Apparently, it was pretty audible on television. I, I, I've it not was. gone back and watched the game. It was. So that's not good. Um, but in terms of what happened on the court, Sean, second second straight game that he's not on the floor in winning time. He got checked out last night with six fifty eight yep. left. Didn't come back in. So he, at Mississippi State, he had checked out. I think final minute of regulation. Didn't play at all in the ten minutes of of overtime, the, the double overtime. And uh, so I, I had said, and I'd made the comment on here, I believe too, and on the radio, that would he have left Boston on the bench for Allen? And he showed last night that uh, that, he, that he was willing to. So I still don't think he would have at Mississippi State. I think we got to the point last night because it happened at Mississippi State and it was easier to do it after someone else had already done it. That's just that's my take on it. Now, I also see it this way, Derek. 
he's going to continue starting B.J. Boston because we're at a point now with the, the mental state and and his thought process here that if you put B.J. on the bench, what does it do to him then? Does it just kind of push him even further down or what? You would like to think that it would lift him up and kind of motivate him to get that spot back, but I don't think that that's what it's going to be. And, you know, Cal's talked recently about having someone be at his house with him. And Tom Hart confirmed last night on TV that that player's B.J. Boston. So yeah. B.J. Boston's the guy that's, you know, that Cal's kind of been bringing over to his house and trying to spend that one-on-one time with him. And I just think that this is a kid who's definitely having a hard time right now, Derek. And you can see it. There's, there's, you, it's, it's hard to point to anything in a game that he's doing very well. And I, I don't know, I just don't know what they do in this situation. But I think what you're having happen is Cal is is, rely, is is going to him, giving him opportunities because I think he knows that they need B.J. Boston to be great if Kentucky's going to be great. But when it comes down to win or lose situations, they're no longer sacrificing, you know, putting B.J. in that situation to struggle and lose the game. I think that is finally Cal. There's some Cal is stubborn. We both know Cal is stubborn, but there's been some growth for Cal the last couple of games. Playing Dante Allen through defensive struggles last night, that is growth. John Calipari does that for no one, Derek, and he played him 32 minutes last night. That is growth. That that's some growth, and I think we're to a point. But when you were one and six, you can't really afford to be stubborn anymore. And I watched it last night when Dante would have a breakdown. Cal would turn, and it would he you would I was waiting on him to just go get him, and he would get mad, but then he wouldn't say anything to Dante, and then he'd let an assistant handle it when they'd go to a dead ball or a timeout. I I really think that you're seeing some growth from Cal now. Does that continue? I don't know, but there has there has been some things that I think that he's done very well the last two games, and he's had a little bit more patience with these guys than I thought he would have had. Yeah, I agree with that. I want to go back to BJ because that's that's a good point. Like. So I think I made the comment that for Kentucky to reach its potential, you would, you would need BJ. Probably you'd need like a best version of BJ, but now it's almost to the point that I don't like at some point, maybe he's just not like for this season, we'll say maybe he's just not what we thought he was going to be. And that's okay. Um, and if Cal recognizes that, I think it's okay. Like I was kind of struck before he, he had like kind of his, let me see if I can pull it up right here. So in the first half last night, he missed two shots in the first minute, 25. But then didn't take another shot, Sean, until there was only three minutes left. So I, I, he wasn't forcing it for most of the half. Matter of fact, he didn't even take a three last night. But he did have that little spurt where I feel like he missed the jumper, and then he made a shot, and then he almost got into a spot where it was like he, he wanted to try to fill it up right before halftime, and I think that's probably what led to the boost because he took a couple – took one bad shot, and then he took a shot that wasn't a bad shot. He just missed it. And I think if, that, if that's how I remember that sequence correctly, and that's whenever uh, the boost came down. But moving off of BJ and into the scenario that I think is probably next in line whenever Terrence Clark comes back is, is we've not really seen how Clark – and Allen will coexist in terms of a rotation because obviously Allen has, he's played 30 plus minutes the last two games, but Clark wasn't available because of his uh, leg injury. 
maybe Clark's not close to returning. I would think probably he might not play at Florida, but I would think he'll be fairly close after that, wouldn't you think? If it's just a if it's an just ankle. an ankle, yeah. But I also think that Clark has to take BJ Boston's minutes. You can't take Dante Allen. You can't take Devin Askew, and you can't take Davion Mintz right now. Like if if minutes are going to be taken, and certainly someone's going to lose minutes when Terrence Clark returns. And the thing too, Derek is there's a I have a little bit more confidence in how Terrence Clark is going to help this team than what I do in BJ Boston right now because Terrence Clark, the last time that we know he was for sure healthy was Georgia Tech, and that was the best game of the season for him. And then there was there were the ankle injury talk going into Notre Dame. And from that point on, he hasn't played well. But also, we now know that he wasn't healthy. So I, I'm kind of holding out, thinking that Terrence Clark's going to be able to help this team in a big way at some point. Plus, with Dante Allen, it kind of gives Terrence Clark to be who he is. With all that space and driving and getting to the rim, I think he's someone that's going to benefit from the changes yeah. that have been made the last few weeks. It's B.J. Boston that I don't know where he fits in right now. Because B.J. Boston, you can only blame if he's making shots. It's it's right. it's similar to Dante Allen, but it's different because Dante Allen's going to obviously, you know, he's going to hit the three, and he's going to hit shots if you leave him open. Right now, B.J. Boston's not giving him anything. He's in the negative category that Cal's talking about where he's giving up too much, and you just you can't play him. I just don't know, though, where the rotation goes from here. I mean, somebody's going to lose minutes. You may even get to a spot, Derek, where you've got to go small at times because I think that Cal has realized that offensively for them to be good. Olivier Saar, it's not by chance that Olivier Saar has had his best moments the last two games. It's because the floor has opened up and he's had more room to operate because of Dante Allen being on the court. That's the thing that I'm looking at moving forward. But also, I thought of this last night. Going into this season, Derek, there were three things that Kentucky fans were for sure of, and I think even us included. We had all convinced ourselves that B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark were going to be just be a dynamic duo to start the season and be stars. We thought Olivier Saar was going to be their inside threat, and we thought Keon Brooks would be their experience to lean on. Pretty much two weeks ago, they were without all three of those things. Now they've got Saar, still without Keon, no Clark, no Boston. So going into the year, we thought those were the three things that would make Kentucky elite. I think right now you can kind of look at those three things and see that that's why that right now I think every game is going to be an absolute war just to win basketball games until those things happen. And I just don't know how many – does Keon come back at some point? We don't know. Does one of the two, Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, turn into a star? Because I think if one of them does, I think it changes this team entirely. It's definitely getting to the point where, where B.J., as much as you want to take the pressure off of him, I would say, in terms of his play, like if Terrence is close to coming back, then I, I think we would we would agree on paper B.J. is the guy who probably stands to lose minutes at this point. I mean, I, I was just appalled. I was talking to you last night. You're sitting by me. I said, B.J. Boston has taken 120 shots this season, shooting 35% from the floor and 15% from three. And the next closest guy in terms of shots is 77 and Davion Mintz. I mean, a huge gap in shots. And, like, I mean, I feel like he has had his time to, to prove what he can do. And now, you know, it's just – it's tricky because this is Kentucky. 
BJ Boston was kind of lauded as a top five potential pick coming into this year. I'm sure there's a lot for him riding on this season, but he he's got to turn it around in a in a big 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 way. Like he's got to be more efficient. Or I just don't know that you can do any more than split time for him with somebody else. Um, he still played 27 minutes last night. You could probably make an argument, Sean, that's still too much. I mean, yeah. for him to be playing. Uh, but either way, it's, it's like you. I kind of want to kind of want to lead in the thought that you know they need they need this kid. But at the same time, I mean, uh, we're almost what are we now? We're nine games in. He's he's not showing a ton of progression. Doesn't mean it can't happen. And you know, Cal's not going to give up on him. So I fully expect to still see him out there playing quite a bit. But uh, I, I don't know. I just kind of feel like he's the kind of kid that you know, maybe he just wasn't as good as what he was held as a high school recruit. And unfortunately, with some of the mindset that some of these guys have, like to me, he looks like a multi-year at minimum college player. And if that was the mindset, I, I do think people would be more patient with him. Yeah, but when the absolutely. thought is, hey, this kid's going to the NBA – and Cal has still coached him as if he's a one and done type guy. And that's why he's probably forcing the forcing his hand a little bit, and forcing the issue and trying to get him going. It I I do th- and I hate to blame it all because it's not all BJ's fault by any means. But I can't help but think the probably stubbornness of Cal Perry to really try to get him going has maybe affected the outcome of some games. Not all on him, but. You know, it's just hard pressed for me to think that Dante Allen playing a little bit more minutes couldn't. You know, I think it would have helped, and maybe that's not fair for me to say. That's everybody can have their own opinion on that. I, I will say that I think I, I agree with you. I think Cal has shown a little bit of growth, and for all the uh, Calipari can't coach crowd, I mean, I think he kind of made <laughs> only made an emphasis last night that he, he drew up that play out of a timeout. That men's got a good look and knocked down the shot. It was a good play call. And uh, help them win the game. So it, it's a tough situation because we can see the team is improving right now, and they're starting to pick up some wins against teams you would think they should beat. No matter how bad Kentucky is, you, you always expect them to win at home against Vanderbilt, and you expect them to always beat Mississippi State because they always do under Cal. So they've still done that. That's a good thing. But um, that is a big storyline for me going forward is kind of how B.J. How they how they use it, and I do feel like some questions were answered last night with with Cal's willingness to leave him on the bench and let some other guys go in there and, and finish out that game. So we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, you mentioned you know Cal the play that they designed there at the end of the game, Derek. A beautiful set to to get that shot for Davion Mintz to win the game. I thought it was the perfect setup. Uh, Devin Askew got to his spot. He got by the defender's hip, got to the middle of the floor. Jacob Toppin with the flare screen for Mintz. But I think the action at the bottom of the screen was just as important with uh, Jackson uh, slipping out of that, that ball screen and then running into a screen for Dante Allen. Having Dante on that side of the floor requires so much attention. That It's a guy. We saw it last night. Vanderbilt was chasing him all over the place. So he required so much attention that Toppin's defender – was in the was in the paint. He was in no position to switch that flare screen. I thought it was the perfect design setup. And two, Kentucky went to their Spain action a lot last night. Uh, Devin Askew got a layup early in the game out of it. Then they threw the lob to Olivier Saar at the rim where he got the free throws. 
and then a three there late in the game. I, I thought last night was one of the best games that Cal had managed coaching-wise all season. I thought that they were very effective in a lot of things that they were trying to do. And at the end of the game, Derek, you played the right guys. I think that that's the biggest takeaway for me is I, I tweeted it last night. Dante Allen and Jacob Toppin are on the floor in crunch time just like we all thought they'd be when the season started, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> they they certainly deserved it last night, and I think that they've kind of carved out some roles on this team, you know, moving forward. Kentucky's 2-0 and in the SEC. I mean, they're you got two golden opportunities in the next two games, at Florida and at home versus Alabama. I think Kentucky has to find a way to win one of them at least. But if you can win both, Derek – you're not back to 500, but you're five and six, and now you've moved back into that NCAA tournament conversation. And I think that that's a big deal. It is. I mean, if they if they find a way to win the next two, then then yeah, people are fully back on on board. I mean, the Alabama game looks like it'll be a pretty big win. I mean, Alabama's got wins over Florida and Tennessee, and they have one other conference win. I don't know who that was against, but I mean, Tennessee's. Pretty good chance Tennessee's going to go down as their best win regardless for the season. I think they've beaten Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Florida, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know if you remember or not, when we were talking about the preview of the season, I I thought that Alabama was going to be one of the better teams in the league and have a chance to be right there with Tennessee. And back then we thought Kentucky. Uh, Missouri was a team a couple of weeks ago that we all looked at after they beat Illinois, but I think that we're kind of looking at it a little differently now, Derek, considering that Tennessee absolutely destroyed them a week ago and then Mississippi State got them by 15 last night. So holding off on Missouri, but the the rest of the league, Kentucky's at least put themselves in a position. They they had to get off to a good start in league play because the schedule gets pretty tough over the next month, and then you have an opportunity versus Texas at the end of January. That's going to be my next assessment of Kentucky. What do they look like on January 30th when Texas comes to Rupp Arena? That is an opportunity, Derek, but I think at that point, if they're playing really good basketball, let's say they go on a run here in January, they could be back in the conversation, moving back into that top 25 with a good stretch run of basketball here over this month. And you can kind of cap it off with that. But there's one thing that stands out. They're going to have to win a lot of games the way they've won the last two. And when you play that in the percentages, you're going to lose some basketball games. I mean, obviously, they lost Notre Dame and Louisville on shots that, at the buzzer that could have won the game. They're going to be in a lot of close games because what's happened is they have some good players right now, but the guys that were kind of – identified as stars aren't being stars right now and they just don't have enough to separate themselves against against teams you're right um you made a comment to me maybe you can elaborate on it for our listeners in in regards to kentucky only having two turnovers you kind of talked about how perfect this team has to play to win games you just you want to elaborate on that a little bit more yeah yeah, well, you look at it last night. Uh, Kentucky goes 26-32 from the free throw line, and they only turned the ball over twice. And it took execution at the end of the game on a set and a Vanderbilt three to bounce all over the rim and go off for them to beat Vanderbilt at home. That's And, and that's eye-opening to me. But it's it also tells me, too, Derek, that it's improvement because those were areas that they were struggling in early in the season. I mean, this was a team that was coughing the ball up three times a minute against Georgia Tech and other teams. And now they turned over twice in a 40-minute basketball game. 
their point guard play is getting better, but also it just shows their margin for how how thin the margin for error is. But Vandy did hit ten threes last night that kept them in the game. When a team hits ten threes, they're they're going to be in a, in the game with you. But this was a game last night that if it had been played two weeks ago, Kentucky loses it by double figures. Yeah. And then I think Mississippi State would have been the same result. So you're seeing some progress, but the offensive side, the offensive end of the floor has improved significantly with Dante Allen on the floor. He's going to give up some, Derek. But I like that Cal was talking about sometimes you have to – well, how do you say it? Sometimes you have to give up something or sacrifice something. Uh, I thought it was – it showed growth from him. But, yeah, I said that to you last night. I said, look at this. I said they won by three, and they only had two turnovers, and they hit 26 free throws. But they won a basketball game. And right now the biggest thing to me is this team is learning how to win games. And this is probably on of the teams that Cal has had at Kentucky. It's more – I think it's pretty vital for this team to execute, where some teams in the past they could get away without having to execute at a high clip. This is a team that has to execute – Derek, 90 to 95% of their stuff to win basketball games because they don't have the guards right now that can kind of create and go get their own. It all has to be within the offense. they got to set good screens. It has to be a total team effort, and that's why they've won the last two games. Yeah, I want to go back and address an error I made earlier. I said, uh, just to clarify, the Mississippi State-Missouri game was uh, – that, that was a home game for Mississippi State. So still, 15-point win is impressive when you look at the – how well Missouri had been playing in the league. But now you make a good point. I mean, that was one of the things that I think you noticed in terms of guards creating. I mean, B.J. Boston struggles more than I would have expected to create his own shot. Maybe it's his kind of lack of strength at his, at his development right now, but none of the guards um, really do. I mean, even Dante, he's not the kind of guy who is going to – against pretty good defenders, I mean, maybe – tell me if you agree, like – he doesn't seem like the kind of guy to me who's going to be able to kind of just take someone one-on-one off the dribble and kind of get his own. I mean, maybe he can, but to me, he's someone who you can run him off screens, get him good looks. They got him out of a timeout. He hit the pump fake, had the wide open yeah. three off of a good set. I mean, that's where he's really deadly, I think, right now. I'm not saying he won't ever get to a point, but he's not shown that yet anyway in two games. I mean, he did uh, – the the defense always looking at him as a three-point shooter. I mean, you saw him last night get to the rim a few times and score at the rim. So he was starting to score in a few different ways last night. Versus, and he took a few other jumpers from two as well that were pretty good looks. They just didn't fall. So his game, I mean, he had four. That's kind of the thing about Dante. And when we talked about it after Mississippi State, like he had 14 points last night, four of ten jumpers. Like I would argue he missed a few shots last night that he's probably going to hit uh, most games. He had a couple of good looks that just well, didn't fall for him. So like, and- he's, he's the kind of guy to me who's like could be an easy – Close to a twenty-point score, like most time, if he's playing that many minutes now. That's the, the standing to point out. Exactly, and the difference though with Dante Allen is how efficient he is. He doesn't. It's not going to take him a ton of shots to get what he gets. I mean, you look. He missed all three of his shot, all three of his three-point attempts in the first half last night. But he comes back and he finishes two of five. So he finds a way to be efficient. Derek is the thing that I like about him offensively. You're not going to see many nights of Dante Allen shooting four or fourteen. Like right. if he takes ten shots, he's going to hit four to five of them on a bad night. On a good night, he probably hits seven to eight of them. That's the type of shooter that he is. 
But, you know, one more note on B.J. Boston, too, and this goes back to, and I'm not trying to pile on the kid, Derek, but he's struggling in all areas of the game. There was a set last night in the second half that Davion Mintz has an open three right in front of the U.K. bench, and B.J. Boston's pass hit his hit Mintz's foot. Like, it was yeah, a wide... Yeah, like, it was, it was just fundamentals is what I'm... That's what I keep coming back to, like... A lot of these guys are relying on fundamentals now where others are lacking. And I think that that's what's hurting B.J. Boston right now. It's just there's no fundamental base there that's carrying him right now. Devin Askew is a name that I don't think we're praising enough right now, Derek, because he has struggled early in the season, but he gets better every single night out now. And you're seeing – I mean, this is a kid that reclassed, that started the season off rough and took it, you know, took it hard. I mean, I was told that – he really struggled with the losing streak and how bad they were playing. So now you see what he's doing. I talked to his dad last night. Was just talking to him. You know, I was like, man, you know, Devin's getting a lot better and stuff. And and he is. I mean, I think when you when you look at what he's doing and the way that he's impacting games, I mean, he's right at the top in minutes played now. He, he's doing. A, he is someone who, and I made that comment to somebody last night during the game that he. I was like surprised that he shot four to twelve last night. Were you surprised? Like I just didn't feel like he. He. It's surprising they took twelve shots. I guess it didn't seem like he he shot that poorly. Well, I guess. He got some opportunities out of that Spain action off the pick and roll and driving to the rim that I know Cal wants him to clean up. There was one where he crossed and tried to finish on the other side of the rim and reverse it. Those are little things that I think Cal and the staff will pick apart on film this week. Because there were a couple of opportunities there that he should have scored a couple more baskets if he if he goes up off two feet and uh, goes back to that, that base of fundamentals that I'm talking about that he did there in the first half. But I think what you're seeing with him is you're just seeing confidence rise. It's climbing. And, Derek, I think that I used this line last night that they always say that there's, you know, people say there's beauty in the struggle. And... Kentucky starting out one and six. The beauty in the struggle is that there's so many guys that have gotten better that are role guys that they were forced into minutes because Kentucky was playing so poorly over the course of a month. I'm starting to see this, Derek. There's six guys that I'm confident right now, and we should never assume, but I'm more confident now than I've ever been, that there are six guys on this roster right now that are going to be on the team next year and be a core nucleus that they can build around. And it's Devin Askew, Keon Brooks, um, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware, Cameron Fletcher, and there's one more. Who am I leaving out? Dante Allen. Yeah. Dante <laughs> Allen. Those are the six. And if you tell if you tell Kentucky fans right now that this team will play their best basketball at the end of the season, but let's say it's just enough to get to the Sweet 16 or that second weekend of the NCAA tournament. But you tell Kentucky fans that those six guys come back and you add them to the class coming in next year and then you can kind of target who you want in the transfer portal or via transfer or reclass, I think Kentucky fans would be thrilled and and excited about next season, Derek. And I actually think that those six guys – like, if you ask me right now, I think they're all back on this roster next year and contributing. I do, too. That was a great – I know a few people got it. Um, but I'll just shout out my boss because he he's the one that I used for the story. But Cameron Fletcher was the one who picked up Mintz, carried him yeah. off 
after he made the shot. So that's a kid who seems like he's adjusting well. I mean, he had he had said uh, Cal had said that he wouldn't play unless there was extreme foul trouble, and it seemed like there was quite a bit of foul trouble last night, <laughs> and he still didn't play. So I don't know that Cameron's going to be part of the you know part of the. He, he, this year might not be, you know, he might not be back out there much, if at all, this season. But he seems like the kind of kid who has still been bought in, and if he's willing to come back next year and and keep doing this, I think he's going to get a chance again. Like Cal, Cal does say that he gives everyone an opportunity to either show that they deserve to play or not. But you're right. I mean, you think about that core you're talking about. Like those are the guys who are playing best right now. Yeah. And I would really like to see. You know, you got to take into account how guys will fit together, certainly. But I would like to see them go out and find a guy. Whether who knows who's going to go in the portal? Perhaps a high major kid. I mean, or maybe a. I think about a kid like Jones though, like Car- Carleek or Carlick Jones at Louisville, who averaged like twenty a game or something like that at Radford, and is really. I mean, he's probably their best player, him or David Johnson at Louisville. I, I would like to see a guy who could just. Get buckets, but at the same time, like I, I think Dante Allen could be that guy next year, though, if he gets his opportunity and, and, and plays a lot of minutes. So uh, we've talked a lot about next season already. It's just kind of how it is when the team starts as bad as they did. But I could see them. They, they need some more. You know, we got to see who does decide to come back or not. Like. I like the idea next year of Isaiah Jackson and Damian Collins being on the same team. What does that do to your offense, though? Like, I don't know if you'll be able to play both those guys for stretches because of you probably unless Isaiah Jackson improves his offensive game tremendously in the off season. But they're going to be at a point next year. Like, I could see them closing out this season well enough to where the hype train's rolling again going into next year, especially with these guys. Like. I think Askew's for sure going to come back. He seems like a guy who knows that he needs to work and he can see that it's paying off. So I really like the idea of having a guy like that in the backcourt next year to go with Nolan Hickman, potentially Sky Clark. Dante should be back. I mean, Keon should be back. Like you said, Cameron and Toppin, you know, Toppin's here. Well, I mean, Toppin's a guy who we didn't even think was going to play this year after he transferred and he's helping the team. Like, I think whatever he's given you this year is more than you could have even hoped for. And I think that's going to be huge for him next season. But big stretch of games coming up, like you said. Um, Florida's going to be a, a tough game. I know they just got beat pretty bad by Alabama. But uh, it's exciting to be in a conference play now. Hopefully hopefully these you know, coronavirus, the teams stay fine. You know, there's not a whole lot of issues there. And the team can kind of stay in a rhythm because now we're at the point where, you know, it's not, it's not like a football schedule anymore where they're only playing on Saturdays. I mean, you got the midweek games now. And you got the Saturday game, so uh, they're they're getting better, Sean. It's probably my final takeaway from this is they are getting better. Um, I still don't even know like what the ceiling is for this team. I I, I personally think getting to 13 wins in the league is going to be tough. I know that's kind of the number people are pointing at 13 and five in the league. Uh, that's not including whatever might happen against Texas, but I still think though there's a scenario where even if they don't make the tournament they can show enough improvement down the stretch to where you can get excited for what might be next season. Yeah, and I'll, I'll wrap up with this thought. They'll they'll make the NCAA tournament for sure if they win the next two games. Like, I'll be ready to say that. If they if they start out 4-0 in SEC play and then they're, they're leading the league, like a win against Alabama next week or a win against Florida and then against Alabama would put them 
alone in first place in the SEC. So I think that's a big deal, Derek, if they if they can get the next two. But talk to someone uh, close with the program the other day, and the message has been one game at a time. It's literally that's all they're treating us as is one game at a time. Every single game, every single week, just one game at a time. That's all they're focusing on. So now they'll flip the script to Florida, and then first thing Sunday morning, they'll be looking at Alabama. But this is two golden opportunities, I think, for this team to show their growth and try to continue building on this momentum. They're going to, even though it's not a packed house, it's going to be weird. Florida's still Florida. It's still a road trip, Derek. It's still a road game in the SEC. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Gainesville Saturday. Do you you have anything else to add before we wrap up? It's a big, big opportunity, like you said. I mean, January is a huge month for them. And if they, like you said, they get to a point where that Texas game can, can mean a whole lot to them, then everybody will be pleased with the progress that has been made. Um, I still think this team has some hard times coming. Uh, I, I don't think they've turned the corner to a point where. I mean, even Saturday, I don't know that I'm going to expect them to go to Gainesville and win, um, but would be huge if they did. They do need to take one of these next two games, but for now, I mean, I would say we're seeing some good progress from some players. Allen has brought a different dynamic to this team that uh, was needed, quite frankly, but still a long way to go, I think, to to get to a point where you can feel really comfortable about them being in the being in the big dance in March, but... Overall, um, should should be encouraged, I would say, with how, how these last few games have gone. Certainly, I mean, anytime you get a win, given how the season started, you got to be happy. I mean, they hadn't won a game at Rough Arena since November 25th, so <laughs> they went a long time from coming out of there with a victory. So you take it however you can get it at this point. Well, that and they, they avoided the longest losing streak in Rep Arena history. They've, how crazy is that? In 45 years, they've never lost three straight games at Rep Arena. That's nuts. It is. I mean, that, that floored me when he told me that last night, that uh, had they lost, it would have been that way. I mean, just just dominant in that building, no matter no matter who the coach is, no matter what era. I mean, it's very, very hard, even in, in Kentucky's bad years. And they've had other bad years for Kentucky standards, anyway in that 45-year span, and yet they never lost more than two or three. What would you say? They never lost more than two in a row? Never lost more than two in a row. So it just shows you how hard it is to go into Rupp Arena and win. It's crazy. But when you're looking at their schedule and stuff, I mean, they are you know they started out one and six, Derek, but there were a couple of losses in there that are going to be bad. I mean, obviously Notre Dame's not looking like a good loss right now considering they're losing every game they play in ACC play. But it, they, they don't have – they don't have like a crazy loss that just stands out to me. It's just like awful, awful. I think that that could be a thing that could help them as they go into uh, February and get towards Selection Sunday. Like last night, I think if if they had lost it at some point this season, it would have looked like an awful loss. Like I just expect that game to look like a bad to be a bad loss had they lost it. But opportunities here in January. Obviously, you're going to get two opportunities against Tennessee. The games against Missouri, that one doesn't look as strong now, just given the way Missouri started SEC play. Uh, that was looking like it was going to be an opportunity to be a top 25 win. I don't know if it will be now. But, like, the Texas game is the one that stands out to me. What do they look like when we get to January 30th? And then what are we talking about after that game? 
going into the stretch run of SEC play. Uh, but Derek, I don't know if there's anything else for us to hit on. I'm sure there'll be some story notes come out this week. I know there's some stuff to talk about with the football side that we're we're going to get into at some point. Uh, but I want to say thank you to everyone who continues listening to Kentucky Daily. Derek, we've been trending in the top 100 of the basketball section now for a week straight. Like we're we're still, I think we were at 97 last night. We've been as high, I think, as 64. Uh, in the charts. Uh, thank you all so much for the reviews you continue leaving. We greatly appreciate that. All the advice will be moving toward Mailbag Friday now. I'm going to actually tweet that out tonight, Wednesday night, so we can uh, open up the Mailbag a little bit longer than what we have been in case uh, some of you all have been missing those tweets. You can always send us DMs or emails throughout the week, too, if you have Mailbag questions, and we'll be sure to get to them on Friday's episode. also want to say a big thank you to the Butcher's Pub with two locations in Palmville and Williamsburg, Kentucky. The Butcher's Pub has been great uh, for Kentucky Daily. We really appreciate that part- partnership. You can visit thebutcherspub.com, or you can check them out on Facebook for some of their daily specials. But he's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith, and we'll be back soon with another episode of Kentucky Daily. Kentucky Daily.